The AXPX Podcast is brought to you by Charming Beard Coffee. Go to charmingbeard.com and enter in the code AXPX when you buy a bag of their single roasted coffees and get 10% off of your order. Charming Beard Coffee, quality, small batch, single origin coffee for the discerning coffee drinker. Beard not necessarily required. This week's podcast is also brought to you by Brewski Me. Brewski Me is a beer drinker's best friend. Rate and review new beers, discover new brews and breweries, and find out what your friends are drinking. Head over to brewski.me and check it out for yourself. Brewski Me. Don't drink alone. Drink with friends. Welcome to the AXPX Podcast, episode 17. Um, I'm your host, Sean DeRegger, and with me, Joey Avalos. What's up, Sean? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's been a, it's been a crazy week. and uh, you know, Like always. <laughs> yeah, like always. Every week's crazy. Um, for those of you who are just joining or just you know, catching up with the show, I have three. I'm married and have three kids. And full time job, and my wife works full time, so um, my weeks are always crazy. <laughs> so I guess just assume that from here on out. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> um, no, I mean as far as like uh, you know news goes as well, we had a pope resign, which is like the first time in six hundred years that that's happened. So I know <sighs> the Catholic Church has been uh, up and you know trying to figure that out. Scrambling, and, um, and I believe this is the the next pope they choose is going to be the last pope because according to some prophecy, you know the world's going to end with a with this specific you know numbered pope. So, right, right. I'm going to try to dig up more information and next week uh, on our show because I think we're just going to do you and me next week. Uh, cool. I want to find some more information about that about that prophecy and stuff like that because it's been kind of debunked by or not not debunked but the Vatican, of course. Says, oh, that's just, that's not a real prophecy, um, right? And then Earth just got barely missed uh, by being hit by a, an asteroid, so that was awesome. That was great, man. Yeah, I guess what Russia had a little uh, after effects of that a little bit. Well, they, you know, I don't know what happens with these meteors. I don't know if like little pieces go along with it or whatever. But yeah, media mm-hmm. uh, Russia people in Russia <laughs> got a little sonic boom, and uh, my friend Brad said that he that there were like fiery lights reported in uh san francisco and somewhere else so i I saw that some research and we'll uh we'll bring all this to the table next week we're gonna kind of have a a free-for-all type conversation what i'm going to try to do is try to set up a google hangout uh and i want to try to do it and record and broadcast live as we talk fun you know just for maybe once a month we do that and uh, i don't know how it works maybe listeners can join in and actually interact so that'll be a fun little experiment but um, but yeah. But today we're talking beer, yum. So, um, which is very close to my heart. I <laughs> I do enjoy a good brew every now and then, and, and in your hand right now and too. In my hand, I have a. Uh, it's a Trader Joe's. It's brewed by uh, a Belgian. They brew like Belgian brews. Unibrow out of Canada. 
So every year they do a vintage ale, and this is the 2011 vintage ale, brewed with spices and natural flavors. Is that some of the stuff you gave me that night I stayed at your house? No, when this I stuff visit? is this stuff is uh, no. Now what was that no. stuff? That was good, man. That, I gotta get well, that. That was like a lighter Belgian ale, and it's yeah. the same kind of thing. It's a uh, it's a higher alcohol content, and you it's more of a sipping beer. Um, That's so. probably why I liked it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's let's jump right into this show today. Beer with a purpose. Reclamation Brewery wants to reclaim the reputation of beer from the sloppy, party, tasteless beer that lines the floors of sports bars and football stadiums. Fine craft beer can actually contribute to community, something that friends and family can rally around and enjoy. A pastor, his son, and close family friend decided to take up this task and help reclaim beer's reputation. Pastor John Smith, his son Ben Smith, and friend Ben Duncan took their idea to Kickstarter and uh, hoping to raise enough money to get this unique brewery off the ground. The question is, can Jesus and beer coexist? Today we have Ben, a.k.a. Dennis Smith, on the show to talk about Jesus and beer. Welcome, Ben. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Glad to have you on the show. When I first found out about your guys' brewery, I think it was when your Kickstarter campaign was ramping up in November. So. I made a mental note. I was like, we need to get these guys on the show and talk about it because your dad is a, is a pastor. And, um, and the funny thing is like when I was living, I li- lived in Garner, Iowa and the Lutheran pastor was, he brewed his own beer. And I know that depending what church you went to, that was either, you know, people gave it thumbs up or people kind of looked down on it. <laughs> so I figured it'd be interesting to get you on the show and talk to you about it. But I want to kind of lay the groundwork. Um, as I always kind of do for these conversations before we get in, into anything theological, um, Ben. So can you just uh, um, give us a little bit of your your personal background and um, like what you did before you even were trying to jump into to do a brewery? Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, I, um, I actually graduated from college in 2010, so uh, I haven't been out that long. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, worked some odd jobs and and some st- steadier jobs doing retail and food service and things like that. Um, since I've been out of of uh, out of college, I have been working as um, a recruiter. Uh, don't necessarily want to name where I work, yeah. <laughs> uh, just for some different reasons, but um, have been working as a recruiter and uh, been enjoying that greatly. Uh, I've I also run a uh, a small gaming website and did a podcast and everything along with that. So that's kind of my my background. Yeah. Um, our background as far as the brewery uh, kind of started with um, we wanted to make some wine, so we tried that out. Uh, it took way too long for us, and we're very <laughs> much so impatient. Uh, so we started making making beer, gradually uh, doing more and more complicated things. Yeah. Uh, people encouraged us to you know keep going and and make it a bigger thing and. We had that desire and that kind of business savvy and sales and things like that as yeah. well. So I uh, kind of took off from there. What, was there a specific idea that uh, came to you to, to start a brewery? Was, did something, was there a catalyst to actually jumping into that as far as, you know, you, apart from just doing wine? Sure. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no, not really. It was kind of like, hey, we seem to be pretty good at this. People keep telling us it's great, even people we don't know. 
Um, even people who didn't know we made it said it was great, right? Uh, which was which was awesome. So um, yeah, it, it became it just kind of came one day. We said we should make a brewery, and we were like, oh yeah, haha. And a couple <laughs> months later, we talked about it again. Oh yeah, that's funny. And then uh, next thing you know, we're an LLC and nice. paperwork filed with with the state and on the venture to to you know kick it off. Yeah. Was it your idea? Was it your dad's idea initially? Or did you all, was it all just kind of like an organic kind of, you all kind of? I have, yeah, I have to say, I don't really remember whose yeah. idea it was. I know I'm, I'm probably the one who pushed the hardest to get going when we did, but I think it would have happened naturally regardless. Uh-huh. Um, I read on your, I, I looked at your guys' documentary and you guys do talk about taking a trip to Ireland. Um, yeah. And I wanted to discuss like the beer culture as compared to you know, coming from the United States, we're very much, you know, uh, sports and, you know, going out to the bars, the sports bar, slamming down as many beers as you possibly can. What's what's the, the difference between the United States and, say, a country like Ireland? Yeah, uh, well, Ireland's kind of funny because at the same time, they have a really robust beer culture and appreciate it. They're also known for being drunks. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there is uh, the good and the bad there, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, in Ireland, it's almost like... Uh, when we were there, we noticed it was almost like a family thing. Like, uh-huh. you know, now we would take our families to a decent restaurant and, and have a nice time. There, the the pub is kind of a, a community gathering place. And it's a place where you go and there might be, it'll be people drinking and, and maybe eating. Uh, but they're mostly sitting around talking about life and uh-huh. about uh, things that matter to them. Uh, frivolous things, possibly. Uh, different things happen when we were there. There were times where we would just go in and be sitting there for an hour and uh, all of a sudden, ten people pull out instruments from under the table and just start playing and singing, and, and it's just kind of a community area. Um, I'm sure there is the carousing and and drunkenness uh, that we see here in America, just uh-huh. the same in, in places. But the majority of people were there to enjoy a good drink and enjoy some friends and some discussion. It, it seems that it doesn't have the kind of taboo that it does in the states, um, especially when when religion gets involved. Right. Absolutely. So I know that there's, you know, Ireland still, you know, these countries still do have their form of abuse, but it seems like the U.S. It seems to be kind of a different animal. Do you have any ideas to what can, could contribute to our our country's abuse of, of spirits and alcohol? Is it the age limit thing? Is it? I, I I certainly think that the age limit has something to do with it. Um, I know that you know the I don't think it was ever alcohol for me. I didn't. Uh, my first drink was on my twenty first birthday, and I was very unlike most of my peers. Uh, for that reason, but um, the uh, it seems to me that most people want to do things they're not allowed or supposed to do, right? Uh, and all the more so. So I think that certainly has something to do with it. I think um, part of the reason why in other countries it's it's the problems are much less prevalent um, could come from from the family. Uh, it seems as if our families in America, and of course I don't know other countries, just uh-huh. what I've read. Um, our, our families are much more segmented. We're together much less. We depend on each other much less. We uh, spend much less time. And I think that the family atmospheres in other countries where people care for their family and when their parents get old, they move in with them mm-hmm. and uh, things like that, you know, just encourage that, um, you know what, I'm drinking a beer. I know you're only 12 years old, but you're going to have a beer too. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to teach you how to drink it. 
Um, where we don't have that here, it's no, you can't have it until you're 21, and then we expect you to get destroyed your first day of being 21. <laughs> right. So it, it, there's just certainly the family aspect that I think contributes to it. So a little bit of that and a little bit of the, I can't do this, so I want to more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, yeah, definitely. I know that I, I was raised with you know, wine was okay. We would, you know, I'd be like 12 or, or 13, and on holidays and stuff like that, I'd be allowed to have a little bit of wine with my meal and stuff like that. Right. But it's, yeah, it's definitely... You know, kids are not even allowed to even talk about alcohol or drink any alcohol, or even if uh, a dad wants to give his son a little bit of beer, it's kind of frowned upon. It's definitely a different culture. Absolutely. What would your, like, like say things change in the U.S., or what would you like, like, what kind of beer culture would you like to cultivate, like, with your own family? Yeah, I think, um, I mean legalities aside let's pretend yeah. like like there aren't any <laughs> i think that the teaching children um teaching children from a young age and teaching others from a, any age really uh that beer is i mean to me now beer isn't taboo anymore um it, it, where it kind of used to be when i was younger um it's like hey would you like a would you like a glass of water a, a coke or a beer you know and i think that's kind of what i would like to see uh, to some extent within the family, that it's no longer like, dad's drinking beer, we got to <laughs> watch out, right? Uh, something like that. Uh, it's becoming, it is becoming more of a culture of beer and, and appreciation of beer that I've noticed, yeah. uh, specifically around the Pittsburgh area and, and further out as well, where people don't just, you know, don't just go to the bar. Um, well, not, <laughs> not that th- that doesn't happen, but specific types of places where the atmosphere is different. And what I would like to see, they go to enjoy, to hang out with friends, to buy a four and a half or a six dollar beer to really just enjoy it and appreciate the taste yeah. um, rather than just going to, hey, let's go get loaded. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I think just that respect of the drink as an important part of our society, um, you know, they, they say, they claim that beer saved and, and founded America and it saved the cultures all across the world. I'm not expecting that kind of thing to happen, <laughs> but I certainly would love would love to see beer become less of a um, a freak show or a sideshow right. and more of a, a regular occurrence with appreciation attached. Yeah. I know that uh, in Southern California here, we have a lot of kind of microbreweries prop- popping up. Um, even Northern California. Out here we have, there's a brewery called Stone Brewery, and they're very much, they cultivate kind of a, you know, it's, it's a more of a, not higher class, but an upper level of beer drinking. And their whole facility, if you go and, and visit them, it's in Escondido. Um, it's kind of like visiting a winery. There's a, a place to eat. There's like fine dining. You get some, you do some beer tasting. It's, and there's a lot of uh, wineries out here too. So it seems a lot of breweries are kind of going along the lines of like a winery and having their tasting rooms and, and stuff like that. So it's definitely, you know, a very cool thing that I think uh, I would like to see happen more and more, you know? Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, so Ben, what is it about beer that you're passionate about? What I mean, you know, what I mean, what, what is it about it <laughs> for you? I I guess it's the flavor and the uh, variety. Uh, yeah. Those two things combined. Um, the variety is incredible to me. Uh, even compared to other types of drink, like take soft drinks for example. Yeah, you can get a variety of carbonated soft drinks, uh, but each of them kind of still have that root flavor or maybe you only have so many different kinds. With mm-hmm. beer, it seems like the possibilities for combinations are endless and many of them are s- still end up being good. So I think just the fact that I can try, even if it's the same style, 
I can try a, a different stout uh, uh-huh. tomorrow uh, than the one I tried today, and it's going to taste different. I'm going to taste different notes of flavors in the beer. I'm going to notice different scents that I didn't notice before, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the um, yeah, just so just the variety and the flavor in them. Uh, knowing also with with specifically craft beer that um, there's really been time and effort put into this recipe. Mm-hmm. It's not made to just be able to um, you know sell hundreds of cases of it at a time. Right. It's it's to please the end user, uh, and most of the time the people making it enjoy it just as much as the yeah. people buying it, which is great. Did you find your appreciation increase? Once you guys started brewing it yourselves, yeah, absolutely. Um, not only being able to see the complexity with recipes, um, being able to see that sometimes we've got to brew the, what we're going for two or three times before it tastes right, uh-huh. um, and just I mean different styles. I, if you're familiar with IPAs, India uh-huh. Pale Ales, uh, I was not a fan at all, and we knew none of us were, yeah. and we knew. Listen, people love IPAs. We've got to make one. Let's let's try it. And we made one, and all of a sudden, I start liking that IPA. And then I start liking other IPAs. And so just even within the styles and, and different things like that, my appreciation has grown immensely just from making it myself. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the work that goes into it and appreciating the different notes of, of uh, different tastes and things like that, it's just it's a really cool process. Cool. Let's go ahead and, and take, a, take our first break here, and we'll come back. I know Joey um, has some questions. I'll turn it over to Joey for a bit. But today's band that I'm featuring, uh, they're Tumble Down, and if you are, if you know of the band MXPX, uh, Mike Herrera, the singer from MXPX, started up kind of like an alt country punk band, and uh, they're great. And they have a song called "Let's Drink," so I figured it'd be appropriate for this conversation today. And we'll come back right after this, talking more with Ben Smith about Reclamation Brewing Company. But right now, this is Tumble Down with "Let's Drink." It's off of their self-titled album. Uh, available on iTunes. You're listening to the AXPX Podcast. Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down. Let's drink, I'll see you on the ground. Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down. There's nothing else to do here in this town. I try to talk to you, there's nothing right that I can say There's nothing good that I can do, my stupid mouth gets in the way The only thing that I can think to say Is let's drink, let's drink till we fall down Let's drink, I'll see you on the ground Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down There's nothing else to do in this town don't make up your mind unless your mind's made up on me I'll take a greyhound bus and ride from sea to shine and say If only to get back and say to you Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down Let's drink, I'll see you on the ground Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down There's nothing else to do in this town I gotta tell you, you're the best thing my eyes have ever seen Girl, you look so good You damn near knocked my eyes Right out clean Yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. 
Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down There's nothing else to do here in this town Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down Let's drink, I'll see you on the ground Let's drink, let's drink till we fall down There's no one else I'd rather do Nothing else, just me and you Nothing else to do here in this town There's nothing else to do here in this town that was Tumble Down with the song Let's Drink. It's off of their, I think, 2008 album, self-titled album, which is available on Skype and iTunes, uh, 2009, actually. And uh, it's awesome. So we'll be hearing more from Tumble Down a little bit later on uh, during the show. But we're back talking with Ben Smith. He is the co-founder of Reclamation Brewing Company. And I'm going to turn this over to Joey. Um, and you have some questions yeah, I do, man. Um, I actually have a confession first off. Um, man, I'm ignorant when it comes to beers. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. And I'm actually, one of the main reasons why I like this podcast is because, you know, I get a free education with the guests we bring on here. So um, really, I'm I'm picky with beers. I like Mexican beers. I'm half Hispanic. Maybe that's a culture thing. But I want to be educated by you, Ben. What types of beers should I try? Or what types of beers are your favorite? Yeah, um, I mean... Here's some of my favorites that uh, just the different styles. I'm a big fan of stouts, mm -hmm. uh, a, a huge fan of porters. Um, lately, like I mentioned before, the the IPAs have been growing on me, and I'm really enjoying them. Two that I uh, two different styles that I've just barely touched the surface of, but really want to get into more are uh, Belgians and sours. Um, so those are kind of where I'm at right now, and really are enjoying. Um, I've noticed that I no longer I, I still appreciate them but i no longer really enjoy um loggers yeah uh, loggers for me are just kind of not not where i want to be on the on the radar anymore so for those of those listening can we expand on like what each of those are like a logger is you're basically kind of like a bud light budweiser correct yeah like like my like the dos Equis that i drink yeah. all the time is a logger Sure, and yeah, there are there are you know smaller craft breweries that no one's ever heard of that make lagers that are good as well, mm -hmm. um, but they're typically going to be um, paler and uh, a little bit lighter in flavor. Um, mm -hmm. Around here, the biggest the biggest beer I'd say around here, other than you know uh, Bud Light and Miller Light things like that, is um, Yingling. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Yingling, but mm -hmm. it's a it's a great historic company. Uh, they make great products. Um, and it's kind of like if you're from Pennsylvania, you're drinking Yingling. Um, but that's kind of the biggest one around here, and, it, and it's a lager. Um, stouts are going to typically be more – and stouts and porters, I actually get confused at times uh, as a confession. <laughs> they're very similar to me. Um, but they're typically – you know, stouts are what they say they are. They're very – they're thick and they're hearty mm -hmm. and and it's almost like eating a meal and you mm -hmm. could pretty much you know you could you could pretty much survive for weeks on just drinking stout <laughs> beers so uh they're kind of um kind of a better uh, a, a step up for me like when i'm drinking a stout is when i feel happy the most you know um ipas india pale ales actually given the name for uh they had to take them from uh, England to India, and in order to get them there, they had to chalk them full of hops, one of the ingredients in beers, to keep them preserved. Uh, wow. Because of that, they have a very unique flavor. I, I, I hate modifying the word unique, but I, <laughs> I, I, can't, um, I can't think of a better, a better way to say it. Uh, they just have a, a different flavor. Some of them are piney. Some of them um, 
are are not. They're just uh, they're made with rye sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to really explain it. Um, yeah, they're very well. They're very hoppy, and is, but if you, if you mm-hmm. don't drink beer, it's right, hard. To, exactly, kind of hard to get what hoppy means. But it's more of a uh, out of all the beers I've tried, this very it's more bitter, I guess. Yeah, um, this has the most like the hops flavor. I don't know. <laughs> right. Interesting. So, and then uh, sours uh, are yeah. interesting. I just tried sours uh, last year. I was beta testing this app called Brewski Me, and it's uh-huh. basically like a Foursquare of beer <laughs> for beer. Yeah. And you kind of uh, log what uh, what you're drinking, and so I was trying a whole bunch of different types of beers, and I gained about 15 pounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I had a sour for the first try for for the first time. Um, but they're very well. You're using the word unique again, but a very unique taste. Um, little, yeah, it's kind of sour, yeah, kind of tart. Yeah, uh, almost acidic to some extent. Yeah, yeah, very good. It's one of those. It's richer, so I can't have you know it too much. Uh, like. You know, I think I drank my my fill of sours, and I think I'm done with those for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the the funny thing I find about sour beers, it's it, they're like intentionally messed up. Uh, the way they're made is you they allow wild yeast into the the brew, so it's like bacteria intentionally getting in there to mess with the flavor makes it good. I I don't understand it, but it's yeah. you know it's science. So <laughs> that's interesting, man. Well, you know that's the thing with me, I. As an ignorant beer drinker, um, like a craft beer, when you say craft beer, I don't know exactly what you're talking about. You know, I don't know what the difference between craft beer and all that stuff. So in your definition, what makes a beer a craft beer? Yeah, usually craft beer are going to be made by uh, smaller breweries, small, you know, small Mm -hmm. brewing operations. Um, I'd say one of the biggest things that's known about them is that they're innovative, uh, different twist on old styles, kind of. you're going to be using um, the traditional ingredients uh, such as um, barley and yeast and hops and water, but also a lot of times craft beer is going to expand on that and add other things in, you know, chocolate malts and just different flavors of, um, uh, of, uh, um, sorry, of uh, barley and different styles of ingredients that you wouldn't typically find in traditional style beers. Um, the other thing about craft breweries and, and reclamation brewing is no different is we want to be plugged into our communities, mm-hmm. um, you know, be tight with our, the people who enjoy our beer. Not that we don't want to be world known and, and people enjoy our beer all over the world, but at home, uh, we're all about the people around us. Um, so it, basically I'd say the biggest thing is, um, the, it's small operations mm-hmm. and innovative, um, it, Typically, the, the bigger companies now are going to tell you they're innovative, and they're going to tell you on their commercials about all the different uh, really hard work and, and thought processes that go into their beers. Um, when it comes down to it and you actually do some investigating, that's, that's really just not the case. A lot of times it's, let's get the most beer out of these ingredients for the least money and make the biggest profit. So um, you could say I'm not a fan uh, of some of the bigger, bigger guys, but... Um, I certainly see a, a more robust community within the craft brewing area. Sam Adams is one of those that their commercials are very, very much geared towards the uh, to make them seem more small scale, which I think they started small scale. 
You know, Sam Adams just got, um, they just reached 5% of the craft brewing market. Hmm. Um, and craft brewing as a whole is still only accounting for about 6% of all beer sales in the U.S. So I would still consider Sam right. Adams a craft brewery, okay. though, they're, though they're huge. Right, right. Um, Many people are like, no, they're not craft brewers anymore. But, um, you know, they <laughs> actually, I think they actually still care about the innovation. Um Whereas, you know, I'm just going to say like Budweiser or Coors or something like that. It's not as much about that. They spill more beer on the floor than we'll make in in five years. When when did you start uh, becoming more interested in kind of craft beer? I know for me it was it was during college. um, And, uh, you know, I I, I, like you didn't really have my first beer until I was 21. And um, and I think, well, you know what? I take that back. I may have been 20. I know I, I graduated college. Uh, no, I graduated high school. Never mind. I take that back. <laughs> I had my first beer with my parents when I was 21. Uh, well, it was in college. And uh, I, I kind of, it was just like you said, like it was always forbidden for me. And I, and all of a sudden, here I am at college going to these parties and it's just, there's just alcohol everywhere. So sure. I didn't know any better. And I would drink, you know, like Keystone Light and, and, and junk like that. And I hated it. I couldn't stand, you know, beer. Ugh. And then I started really getting interested in beer when I started working for a, a restaurant called Bennigan's. And they um, they had like 100 different beers. And that's when I got my beer education. And that's when I, I think, turned me into a beer snob. So by the time I hit 21, it was only a couple of years, uh, I hit 21. I was like, t- I would bring my own beer to a party. Like I would go and go to my local liquor store and grab some some uh i don't even remember but it was always i would always come to a party with my own six pack (laughs) when did you start uh, getting more interested in kind of the craft beers as opposed to just you know drinking what's there it's probably only been about um about three years probably i i guess i've been drinking for about four four years and um yeah probably about a year into that i was like all right i gotta try something good yeah, just kind of got got um, exposed to more and more craft beers, and I guess just yeah, it's just been real recent. Um, yeah, three years every every you know month, I'm trying something brand new. Yeah, well. and that's what's fun. There's always there's always a new beer to try, like always. Absolutely, man. You guys are brave, man. I'm gonna have to get you know <laughs> hang out hang out with people like you more often, man. You gotta come out, Joey. We'll <laughs> I know, we'll, man. We'll hit up Stone and we'll we'll uh. We'll do a little beer tour. You got to class me up, Sean. Class me <laughs> up, man. All right. <laughs> well, Sean mentioned earlier about um, on your website you have a documentary about um, starting a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to uh, to launch your brewing company, and um, you kind of left it on a cliffhanger. And I don't know if you guys met your goal, and if not, what did you learn from the Kickstarter campaign, and um, has it benefit you anyways? If you didn't meet meet your goal, yeah. Um... All, all great questions. The first part is uh, that documentary is filmed by our good friend Brandon Rowdy Bush. He yeah. um, just approached us and said, I want to do a documentary about you guys starting the brewery. Let's do it. And then when we decided we were going to go the Kickstarter route, that just became a natural part of the documentary. So um, it's more about us, but it happens to just coincide a lot with the, with the Kickstarter campaign. And then the third part is going to be finished uh, once we're open. So that's how that'll work. The Kickstarter campaign was not successful um, in the sense that we didn't meet our goal right. of $35,000. Um, we fell short. We got a little over half of what we were going for, um, but just fell short. A lot of things went wrong 
a lot of things went well, of course, too. Um, but we had um, several competitors in the area or within an hour or two of us also launched their Kickstarter campaigns within weeks before we did ours. Ooh. And we already had the date set and they're ready to go. Um, the guy who was originally supposed to film our promotional video uh, just did not uh, meet our expectations or fulfill his promises or anything. So we actually had to scrap it and do a new video the night before launch because we told newspapers and so many people oh, had written about us launching. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and that was awful. So that kind of went against us. Ended up we used the documentary once it was released, um, the first part of it as the video. But um, – and, you know, like uh, that was right around the time when Hurricane Sandy hit. So tons of wow. people were donating money to that uh, combined with all the other things. And, of course, you know, I don't blame people for, for donating money to people who need the help right. rather than to get us started as a business. <laughs> but it just certainly didn't help our our um, uh, didn't help our progress at all. So um, mm. we had a, a lot of support. We had a, so much written about us and actually still a few interviews to come from different newspapers and um, large uh, magazines that are, are talking to us as well. So the good things about it, uh, it got a, a ton more people to know about us. We right. were able to do many, many more tastings through it. Plenty of people said, hey, I saw you guys in the newspaper or on Kickstarter, things like that. Um, so it was certainly successful in that aspect. We just didn't get the money we needed. Wow, man. I actually see a new reality series coming out of here, man. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of some kind of brew wars or something. Is it is it friendly competition or do you guys have some animosity? Because I, I would love to see that on TV. I'm actually going to call some people. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, as far as um, as far as the other breweries, you mean? Yeah. You were talking about the other breweries that are right. You know, no, they, companies and stuff. no, we don't have any animosity towards them at all. They, they were doing what they should have been doing and trying to get the money. It just didn't help us out at all. I don't think we have any animosity or, or anyone has any animosity at all towards us either. Right, so yeah. right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Starting to drop. Yeah. Ben, do you find, I mean, uh, do you find that when you meet other brewmasters and stuff like that, that there's kind of a camaraderie as opposed to, you know, competition? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there's actually the building that we're going to be moving into here in the beginning of March, um, that we just, we're signing a lease for soon. Um, there's actually another brewery opening up several blocks down. Um, and they're from the, the town and they've been there a little while and been, and been working on getting it open. And between, you know, you'd think if anything, you would find animosity between somebody who's moving in two blocks from you or three blocks from you. They've been nothing but, you know, congratulatory and, um, and you know, maybe they hate us deep down. I don't know. <laughs> but right. <laughs> they they referred us to another. Um, they referred us to an event that they weren't able to make. Uh, that they weren't able to do. So they referred us to be to be there. And um, so I mean, I think craft brewers realize that we're so small still. We need um, we need each other. Also, the fact that like if I go somewhere on vacation, uh, I might drive an hour out of my way to go visit. Uh, a craft brewery. Uh -huh. If I know that there's two or three there close by that I can just hit them all, I'm definitely going to go instead of just maybe. So most of the time they, they work well together and nearby. So we certainly uh, that we know of have no animosity or hard feelings yeah. towards anyone or from anyone in the area, especially. I, I see the same sort of thing with like local uh, vineyards and vintners. Yeah. I don't even know the term, but uh, in the, I live in the Temecula Valley uh, Temecula um, Inland Empire areas. There's Temecula just has tons of wineries, and there's you know you, you go to wine country. There's you know sure. 
every mile there's a new winery and they all show up at events. There's a big wine festival, you know. So yeah, is I see there's a lot of similarities between um gosh, what is the term for someone who who makes wine? Is it is it vintner? Vintner? I don't even know. I actually am not familiar. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh winery owners. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um go. yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it's funny because whenever people like come into my house and see my whole cabinet full of different beer bottles from different breweries or they hear that I'm like, you know, seeking out certain beers or whatever, it's kind of like, "Oh, yeah, beer. Uh, you're that you're one of those guys." <laughs> but whenever somebody talks about how much they enjoyed this fine wine and how they went to a wine tasting, nobody's like, "Oh, you're a drunk." They're like, oh, you must be sophisticated. And I think that people are starting to realize more and more that beer culture isn't all uh, football games and and college parties. It's a culture of people who just enjoy a product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. It seems like Pittsburgh is really open to the craft brewing uh, industry. I mean, do you see – you feel like it's a perfect place to kickstart your your company? Or would you guys think that it would be better off moving, you know, starting in a different part of the country or – um, right now, during the winter, we certainly think the Bahamas would be a great place to start. <laughs> That's a good uh, but, um, but no, we we love the area. Um, right. We certainly wish that we were in an area that that was a little more affluent. Um, right. Pittsburgh is, you know, it's an old steel town. Uh, there's there's plenty of uh, low income and poverty that that uh, is around, but um, the the area is receptive. Um, Really, it's kind of beneficial. I'm not a native of the Pittsburgh area. I've been here for about 15 years. But um, it, when I moved here, one of the things I noticed was that people are immensely loyal. Right. So um, that's only helpful to us if we're from the area, doing things in the area. And we know that the people around are going to be loyal to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, that's really helpful. So, yeah, the community is certainly a thriving one. Uh, the, especially the beer community. Lots of places popping up around Pittsburgh to serve craft beer. Um, places built around it. So, yeah, it's it's it doesn't feel like a tough market to break into. I guess we'll see after our first year of actual sales <laughs> and production. Well, I got that, that feeling. Uh, I, I got that feeling when I went to Pittsburgh. You know, it has that big city, but it still has that small town charm absolutely. to it. You know, the people yep. there are really cool. That's where I got my first uh, tattoo uh, was in Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, first real one, first actual like tattoo studio, other than like a friend's friend tattooing something black and white on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into our second break here. Got another song from Tumble Down. This is off of their newest album. It uh, came out in 2010. This is the title track off the album. It's called Empty Bottle. We'll be back talking to Ben right after this.
That was Mike Herrera's uh, alt-country punk band, Tumble Down, with the song Empty Bottle. It's off of the album of the same name that came out in 2010. You can find that on Spotify, and you can also find that on iTunes or Amazon, uh, pretty much anywhere that sells music. Great uh, album from them, and I highly recommend it. Uh, recommend both their albums. And side note, due to me trying to get uh, permission to play these songs, we may be having Mike Herrera on the podcast probably sometime in March, so I'm kind of nailing that down. So that was a kind of a little happy accident <laughs> that came cool. along with me just trying to get permission because uh, I knew that it's more independent, but I like to get permission for stuff that we're playing. So that was a very, they're very cool to happen. Um out of all this and of course the songs you know the subject matter of the songs um you know it's funny uh ben because i was tweeting back and forth with with mike and uh, i i said the song titles and you said hey that's not really what we're all about <laughs> yeah yeah I, I knew you were just going for the theme the theme of it too so. yeah 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 um and i think mike mike laughed and, and yeah said he, he yeah agreed, totally so, yeah and it's just kind of uh, it was kind of really funny, but um, I want to just take take the time just to let us know what what is Reclamation Brewery's goal? Like, why why did you come up with a name? What is your guys' goal as as a as a brewing company? Sure, um, Reclamation Brewing Company. Kind of, uh, we went through a, a huge iteration of different names and different styles of names and all of us hating one or one of us loving it and the other two hating it or vice versa, uh, ended up coming to Reclamation um, because we said, what are we about? What do we want to do? And um, we kept using the word, you know, take back the beer industry and help help redeem it and things like that. And just none of those names would work out. So we talked about let's reclaim the culture of beer. Let's reclaim the beer back from the people who have taken it and turned it into a watered-down mess. Um, let's help be a part of this movement that is thriving um, to reclaim brewing as, as a profession, as uh, a hobby, as uh, just something to go and enjoy. Um, and that's kind of how we came up with the name. Our, our mission is, you know, like I, I just stated, right alongside with that, we want to make, first of all, make great beer. That people are going to enjoy, that people are going to like. We want to educate people on what beer is all about, um, uh, what we think beer is all about, uh, what goes into it, and and what the different flavors they're tasting are. Uh, we just want to um, help take that kind of take that back instead of uh, you know people rolling down to the local beer distributor and picking up uh, a thirty pack of stuff they've never even known anything about. They just know that it's cheap. So that's kind of where we're at and, and what we want to do um, as far as the company goes. You know, we've, we found it uh, very interesting, though. I mean, there's it seems like there's a little bit more to your guys' brewery, too, that there's yes. this uh, faith aspect to it. Um, your father, I believe, he's a Reformed Baptist uh, pastor. Is he still or is he still um, a pastor or is he working somewhere else right now or? Yeah, he is. He is not. Um, and I was going to tell you that beforehand when I saw some of the show notes and some of the questions you might be asking. I thought it'd be more interesting to talk about on on the show, though. Um, right. There were some. There were just some issues and some unhappy people at our church already for different reasons. Right. As you know, um, I'll complain about my own people as we Christians like to do. Uh, we're very unhappy with different things. Um, and when it came down to it, uh, whenever some of the information went public, even though. 
certain men in the church knew about our beer. They drank our beer. They enjoyed our beer. They talked about buying our beer, uh, used it as a reason to kind of force him out of the position, uh, saying mm-hmm. other people won't approve and things like that. And so, of course, another issue, another Another time I have to defend um, my people, uh, although I don't know that there's much of a defense for that <laughs> action. Um, but, you know, cr- Christians being who we are, we're just, we're just ordinary people like everybody else with a, set of, a different set of beliefs and a, and a savior. Um, but we – so he's not a, a, a pastor. At least he doesn't have a, um, a pastorate right now. He's working for another company uh, or for a company that he's just working to uh, – kind of support himself and, right. and my mother and sister. And so we get the brewery up and running fully. Um, but he, I think he has aspirations to, to once again take a pastor in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought I'd talk about that. It is interesting because you yeah. asked, um, does, it, does it interfere with his day job or does it affect <laughs> his day job? And it certainly did. It, 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 right. was a, it was a catalyst for a bunch of other things uh, in which he gave up, or I guess you could say lost his, his day job of being a pastor. Ben, could you, could you explain? Cause I mean, because there's, there's different types of, you know, uh, denominations of, you know, of Christianity. Uh, sure. he was a reformed Baptist pastor. Um, I have a friend who's, uh, gosh, he's a reformed something and, and they smoke pipes and drink scotch on their lunch breaks, you know, the pastor staff. Sure. What, as far as like when you say reformed Baptist is, are they very much against alcohol? What's the, yeah, the lines of that, the reformed Baptist denomination, um, what are the kind of boundaries they've set up for themselves? Sure. Um, the, interestingly enough, reformed Baptist is not necessarily a denomination. Okay. Baptist would certainly be though. There's different branches of Baptist and, right. Right. and typically Baptists are thought to be more conservative and, and really by the community at large, close minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't deny that as a, as a former uh, mainline Baptist, I guess you could say, uh, reformed Baptists are typically churches that exist. And maybe there's some small denominations, but, um, that believe just, it's more of a description of a certain set of doctrine than a denomination. Okay. And it's uh, uh, the doctrine that most hold to would be called something of a Calvinistic um, doctrine, um, you know, kind of named after some of the beliefs of and teachings of uh, well, I think Jesus, but of John Calvin, uh-huh. um, you know, talking about uh, different different aspects of. Uh, whether God picks his people or whether we pick God or whether we have sin from the beginning or if we're naturally good and, and things like that. So just a certain set of, um, of theology, which, of course, if you guys want, we can, we can delve into more. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. So that's what okay. the show's yeah. all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, but basically, ju- just Reformed Baptists, we're, we were an independent church, not really attached to a denomination, but holding to things that traditional Baptists and, and – people coming out of the Reformation taught and things like that. Um, Baptist being Baptistic, being, mm-hmm. you know, um, baptism by immersion, showing uh, our belief in Christ through being baptized by dunked in the water as opposed to, uh, you know, Presbyterians who would sprinkle water for baptism. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of a, a brief little snippet of, um, of what Reformed Baptists would be. Um, yeah, I think I answered the question. I'm not yeah. sure. No, yeah. So, as far as the church went, was was drinking preached as being? I mean, obviously, your your dad wouldn't be preaching that it's a sin, but was it just kind of? Did was that the problem where most of the people in the church? And if I don't know if there's deacons or anything like that, as far as the hierarchy or the you know politic, the church politics go. Sure. Was it kind of 
with that 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 church was drinking kind of gray area was that the problem no i i would say it was the opposite okay. we we used wine for our communion services um we the, the elders uh, and deacons in the church you know went to, went places and and drank beers together uh-huh. as i mentioned before many of the people in our church had had drank um had drank our beer uh specifically um and i think it came down to there were more issues at hand um and many of them, I think, were falsifications. There may have been some truth in some of them. All that aside, uh-huh. they used this as kind of a, well, this is this is looked down upon. You shouldn't do this to give the church a bad name. And right. you know, who, who, I, I just want to say, who's who that wasn't coming to our church was still not going to come because the pastor, or was going to any more not come uh, <laughs> because the pastor was drinking beer. You know, most of the right. time, people who don't like Christians, if they found out Christians were drinking beer, would be like, oh, maybe they're not, you know, maybe there is something more to them, you know, kind of how I got your attention, I guess. Uh Um, So, it it was really just a big mess. Um, Kind of, they used the brewery angle, in my opinion, as um, almost like a a scapegoat, uh, as opposed to the real reasons, which I'm still not even sure where the hell they were, you know. Right. Uh, People are fickle, and myself included in that, if they if they want to be mad about something, they'll be mad about anything. Yeah. Well, I know, I know that you know church politics can get crazy, and my own you know family's been through its share of church politics, um, and we've we've seen how churches can be, especially in small communities. Um, right. You know, one ruffled feather almost isn't. You think you just ruffled one feather, but it kind of uh, there's a little, uh, you know, um, kind of domino effect. <laughs> sure. Stuff sure. Like that. As a whole, in the community, though. Um, I think we've had two two people contact us. Uh, no, I'm sorry, three people. Two of them were married to each other. Um, uh, contact us and and say you know disapprovingly of what we were doing as far as being Christians. Mm-hmm. The vast mm-hmm. majority of the community and the country. I I think I've had an email from each of the 50 states by now talking <laughs> about hey we're Christians too and we think what you're doing is awesome um, has been positive and uplifting. So I'm sure there's plenty of other people out there who disagree. Um, but by far, we've been more encouraged than disappointed. Yeah, and you actually hinted a, a little bit earlier about maybe your views changed. They not all, You weren't always looked at beer the way you do now. Um, yeah, was that, yeah. Was that true for your whole family or just for you? Um, that is a great question. Uh, I don't really know. I think that um, I think my mom's family, when she was growing up, not, not a Christian family, um, and beer was more of a – if you – if you drank a lot, you were pretty much an alcoholic. That was the only issue there. Mm-hmm. My dad's family was more of a um, more of a fundamentalist, uh, strict family, uh, and that's actually how I was raised early on. Even though I don't think a lot of my parents' beliefs at that time uh, coalesced, that just kind of was convenient. Um, as you know, don't don't drink. Um, it's a sin kind of thing. So, um, and so for most of my Actually, until after I had already started drinking, I wasn't really sure. I knew my dad didn't think it was a sin, but I didn't know if he drank. And he kind of told me he wanted me to make my own decision. Uh, and then he bought me a beer after <laughs> I told him what my decision was. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of uh, – my views have radically changed on a lot of things, doctrinally yeah. and and culturally in the last five years, maybe seven years. Um, and I hope they continue to change as I learn and, mm-hmm. and develop my thought processes and – and you know, 
for me, reading the Bible is a huge part of learning more about things I thought I knew about and realizing this isn't what it says. Right. Um, so just you know, changing my mind on things. That's one of the ways I actually came to the point of beer isn't bad because I was reading the Bible and found all these instances of alcohol being talked about as a as a gift and about <laughs> a, a sign of blessing and about people using it and you know for goodness sake jesus made wine um so just delving into that reading other people so anyway i I hope my views continue to change as as i've as i read things and the story of jesus is is interesting because when you read that story they do they mention you know they've run out of wine and so he turns the water to wine and then they say wow this is the best beer or the best wine we've ever had normally they put out, you know, this is the kind of wine we put out at the beginning of the party. Because at the beginning of the party, you put out the really good stuff, right. the high quality stuff. And then as these parties would go on, uh, these wedding ceremonies, and I'm not even sure how long, you know, wedding ceremonies lasted back then, but they would, they would basically roll out just the crap wine, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the bottom shelf stuff at right. the end of the party. Cause everyone's, you know, everyone's probably feeling good. Pretty much hammered. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. feeling good. And, you know, Jesus rolls out the, so, so you're looking at what time of the day was this party, you know, when everyone was pretty much, you know, flying high at the time and Jesus gives them the best wine they've ever tasted. It's just, it's an interesting story. Um, and there's also other stories. Yeah. I don't know if it's Proverbs. There's other areas where it says that, uh, a little wine is good for the stomach, you know, and digestion and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the Bible isn't against, drinking and nothing i found in the bible says anything about condemning the act of drinking it's drunkenness that right. the bible condemns and looks down on and and it, and i don't think anything i've read has even said you know uh look down on the act of being drunk it just doesn't approve of it but the the things like in proverbs it seems what i read is the acts that follow drunkenness like if you're drunk you're going to be lazy if you're lazy you don't work if you don't work, you don't put food on the table, you don't take care of your family, kind of a, you know. Right. More of, yeah, like more of a parable of, of consequences, of showing, right. you know, hey, you do this, this would happen, you know, this will probably happen. You know? Yeah. And, and there's a great book out there for any, you know, any uh, any Christians who may be listening by chance um, that are curious about, about what I'm saying and any non-Christians who say no Christians really believe that alcohol is okay. There's a book called um, – it's called What Would Jesus Drink? Uh, what the Bible Really Says About Alcohol. And it's by an author named Brad Whittington. You can find it on Amazon or any, anything like that. Anyway, it just goes through and, and basically he just takes every verse in the Bible that even mentions alcohol at all and says, is this positive, negative, or neutral? Okay. Is it just part of everyday life? And kind of breaks it down and, and says, here's what I found. You know, Show me where it says that, the, that alcohol is evil. So. Nice. Just a book suggestion. It's real short. It's cool. a tiny little book. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll I'll put it into the show notes. And, Great. Uh, and I, I hope with this show, you said that you know, hope you hope Christians are listening. I really hope that we have a good, um, a good diverse culture. Yeah, yeah. I hope that a good there's a good variety of listeners because what we want to do with the show. I mean, I have had my own doubts, and I consider myself at at this point more leaning more agnostic, but. But believing in something greater than me, uh, my wife and I just had a huge conversation last night over beer. <laughs> sure, <laughs> why? Uh, it was really, it was really great to have. But um, you know, the point of this show isn't to basically have an agenda. You know, it's all about bringing as many different worldviews to the table and just having conversations. So I know we've been a bit atheist heavy and and uh, in shows in the past, um, and I'm hoping to 
yeah, as you'll kind of see with the guests we have, it'll be more of a more of a balancing act, trying to make sure everyone's represented because people come in, you know, thinking that oh my gosh, uh, is this an atheist show? Is this an agnostic show? I'm hoping it's a show for people who are searching. Right, uh, is really the goal of of uh, of the podcast. So, yeah, and I actually I saw you you tweeted the other day that. Uh, of the different people you've asked to be on the show who are Christians, only one has said yes. And I was like, come on, guys. Are <laughs> well, you scared? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, I've had a, quite a, a few more um, feedback. I've actually, uh, Jay Baker may be coming on. We're working out the details. And then Mike Herrera will be coming on. Um, and I'm still working on a few more. And of course, if you listen to last week's show, you know, I had my father in law on, and that was, you know, 100% Christian. Sure. Um, um, show so yeah we're working on it but yeah it's it is interesting to see that you know that and that's the thing like if if you're a christian if you're listening to this and you're christian you we shouldn't you know you shouldn't be afraid to just talk about what you believe you know um it's just interesting that there's because the pro the thing is with this whole like new atheist movement that's happening and everything they're chomping at the bit to talk and they're right. prepared and um and that's just, it's, it's an interesting uh, time that we're living in where I can find, I can l- probably line up like 10 skeptics or atheists, you know, and do 10 shows in a row and it'll be, they'll all be interesting. Um, so I, I don't know why people are so afraid to talk about whatever belief they they believe in, but it's an interesting time where a lot of skeptics and atheists are actually just ready to talk. So if you're Christian, right. step it up. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed, um, Joey. Did you have any anything else? Well, here? I mean, if we want to, if we don't want to go too deep, I was just more curious about theology. He mentioned, yeah, we, you can, know, go. He we mentioned, can go. He mentioned Calvinism a little bit, and you know, usually that means to predestination and and a lot of different things. And it's interesting because the more I think Sean and I research, and more we have guests on, you know, and we look into modern scholarship, you know, historical research with like, um, you know, scholars like Bart Ehrman. Um, you know, even getting to more of the John Crossens or the Sprong or Marcus Borg. I mean, you get these different scholar scholarly views that have complete different ways of looking at the the Bible um, historically and contextually. How you know, even homosexuality that word is not even found in the Bible. It's what we put into it. It didn't mean what it did back then to what it means to us now. And um, and then. It, bringing that up too, like with Jay Baker, I know he's a, he's a pastor that's really strong for, um, you know, for LGBT issues and, and marrying, um, uh, you know, same sex marriages and stuff too. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on theology because, um, that's what we're all about. We want to have people have a a platform right now to kind of share their heart, uh, share your views on who Jesus was, is, and um, we did have that little statement of, uh, you know, the C.S. Lewis thing is Jesus, uh, a liar, a lunatic, a lord. Or most scholars today, modern scholars, except the fundamentalist Christians, call him a legend. And I just kind of want to see where you kind of fall in with your theology and if you'd like to share it with us. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, my my theology would line up with um, I'm not I'm not quite a literalist when it comes to the Bible. Uh, I believe there's much hyperbole and much, you know, uh, things used for examples. Um, but I would say that I, I believe Jesus is uh, Lord, is the Son of God, um, is the Almighty, and and is what I would consider my Savior. Um, I think he was a real person who uh, was actually born of a virgin, um, 
lived a, a perfect life and and died at the hands of men um, and then raised again three days later. So in a nutshell, that's that's what I would consider my my theology. Um, I, you know, to Jesus, Jesus to me, uh, and what I believe is the truth was was the Lord, a Lord, a, the Lord, um, and the Son of God. Um, so yeah, that's that's just kind of where I lie in that in that camp and that uh, in that field of thought. And, and I'd be glad. I mean, if you have specifics or questions why or anything like that, I'm, I'd by no means consider myself a scholar. Um, right. I, I do know what I believe, and I even have changed some of what I believe based on things I've read. But um, right. yeah, I'd be happy to answer any, any, I mean, any specific questions or any topics you want to discuss. Uh, absolutely. As far as uh, Jesus' ministry, like to you, what are the most important things that he taught in his ministry? Yeah, I think that um, that Jesus' teaching uh, to love each other um, is one of the most important things. It, it is the greatest commandment to love uh, to love. God above all and your neighbor as yourself. Um, so I think that uh, because I believe God is love, I believe God is wrath and a lot of other things as well, but God is perfectly love, um, that for us to love each other and other people shows uh, what we really think about God. The way we treat other people is really the way we think about God. Um, if we think that God is uh, all-knowing and holy and sovereign and over us all, then we'll treat other people as if we actually think that God is uh, in command and is watching and is mandated that we do those things. Uh, and if we don't think that about God, then that then we won't live that way. Um, now, not to say you can't do good things and be nice and things right. like that without believing in God. I, I don't believe that at all. But um, I think that at its heart, if you're a Christian and if you really believe in God as the God, I guess you could say, um, that the first the first thing people will be able to see in you is love, and and the supreme thing people will be able to see in you is love, and and understand why and where that comes from. Um, so I think that that's that's one of the biggest things, and also what God or what Jesus taught us about the Father, about God's nature as a person or as a being or as a spirit or, or whatever you may want to want to say. Um, I think that those lessons are immensely important for how we understand God. Um, some people who hate Christianity look at God as mean guy up in the skies who just point his finger and say, you can't do this stuff. Um, I look at him as somebody who has like a parent who has rules in place, uh, to make us not do things that are going to hurt us in the long run and to, um, help us see himself and love him supremely. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I think that that those are the kind of the important things that we should love each other and uh, love God and what Jesus taught about the father and about himself that are important. Do you feel like the, the church kind of the the quote unquote church, I guess misses the mark a lot on as far as loving others or, or is it just like a small, small, but loud splinter of Christianity? Um, I, I go back and forth on that. I, I have a real, a real, I mean, the, the sect of Christianity that typically says, um, you know, things like alcohol is evil, don't dance, you can't have music in church, or you can't have drums in church, um, you know, guys and girls can't look at each other before they're married and have three children, <laughs> things like that. You know, like I'm being a little bit facetious, of course, <laughs> but um, I, I have a real issue with with that type of thinking because I don't believe that's the way Jesus acted. The people who are afraid to talk to non Christians and won't be friends with them and, and embrace and love them. 
um, like you know Jesus did if we believe the Bible mm-hmm. that Jesus hung out with people who weren't Christians who didn't believe in him who hated God um, I just have I just lately I have a huge issue with those people I think that I th- I think I don't I don't know that this is that that's a very vocal minority I hope and pray that that's a very vocal minority um, but unfortunately I think that much of Christianity is more cultural than it is actual heart uh, uh, right, transformation right. and change so especially that type of um, those type of people that I'm describing what I would consider um, you know strict modern fundamentalists mm-hmm. um, those are the type of people that I would say that we're talking about when we when we hear about um, the hate, what would people would call hate mongers and things like that um, I hope that the rest of the church isn't like that. I certainly hope I'm not like that, even though I'm not perfect. Um, and I certainly hope that um, that not the whole world sees Christians as as that. But I understand that that is the reputation that some of those people have helped us earn. Um, so uh, I I don't think it's all it's the majority of Christians that act that way and seem that way. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to be proven wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really I mean um, with with my own experience and I I've always been I mean drawn to like the Jay Bakers and people like that who who talk uh, about grace and love above all and um, sure. so that it's it's good you know and I'm and I find more and more people like that and I you know yeah I, I hope so too because I always felt and that was part of my frustration when I was going through all my doubts and everything was like I felt um, I felt kind of alone. In the you know I, I felt alone and because a lot of people I would try to talk to at church they didn't seem like they would have time to talk about this kind of kind of stuff or even you know want to bring up these touchy subjects so I I hope so too I hope you're right I you know it'd be nice to think that you know what this loud majority that we're hearing especially bashing homosexuals and stuff like that um, you know I would hope that they're actually a minority you know right. But, and I'll just—I mean—I'll just weigh in on the on the homosexual thing. Um, and this is me speaking. This isn't Reclamation Brewing Company, yeah. of course. But I mean, I my belief and what I've read and what I see is that homosexuality is wrong. But I'm I'm the kind of guy I'm the I'm that believes what Jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Even if I disagree with a style of life, like I disagree with people who steal from their parents and beat their wives, but. I'm not going to tell them, you know, scream and yell at them and, and kick them out of my restaurant and um, beat them over the head with, with things, telling them God hates them. Um, that, cause how, if I do think that what they're doing is wrong, how am I ever going to love them? How am I ever going to show them what I believe? Um, so even though I do think that, you know, just because we kept talking about homosexuality, yeah. um, even though I do think that, yeah, I think this is a sin. Um, but I still can love these people and and treat them like friends. I I, I would say, um, I I'm not a lot, but I just because of my uh, community. But I have a few uh, friends who are homosexuals, and even though I, they know where I stand, they can still be my friend because I don't treat them like garbage. Uh, and I wish more Christians would get the point that you don't have to agree with somebody to be their friend. You don't have to agree with somebody to treat them like a, a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I know that's a pretty a pretty um to be uh negative against homosexuality but be pro the homosexual is a very uh 
it was probably unique uh, or not unique, but a minority of Christians. But that's that's where I fall. Yeah. Well, personally, you could look at it. You could look at it as you know we're all sinners, right? I mean, right. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, I'm. You know, I daily can be considered a sinner just if I'm. If you look at you know the the Bible and everything and, and everything that it teaches, and you know if if we're human, we're sinning every day at some point, right? You know, but we're all humans, and we all should take the time to understand each other um, as people and approach each other as as people, and as opposed to um, you know like just trying to condemn everybody. I think that's I think that's a a, a mature approach, you know, is not to to sling out condemnation, but, um, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we've been talking to, to Ben Smith, who is co-founder of reclamation brewing. Um, I really want to try your beer now. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I guess, I guess we can't ship it across States. Uh, <laughs> well, I actually did some, when you asked me about that, I actually did some research. <laughs> I'm discovering there may be ways to do it that are legal, but I just have to continue and I'll, I'll be sure to send you some if, if that's the case. We will research that. And I'm interested in the, um, was it promised land? Yes. Oh my gosh. That sounded amazing. It tastes amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, you guys mentioned in your documentary and we'll, we'll do this and then we'll close. Um, what, what is the promise? Is it promised land stout? Is it uh, ale? Is it uh, what is it? We call it a promised land ale. It's, uh, it's really something that we don't think we've ever had anything like it at all. It's a uh, cream ale um, with definite hints and flavors of milk and honey. Um, so it has some lactose in it and, of course, um, a good bit of honey, uh, as well as the typical beer ingredients. But yeah. it's a very light, and refreshing beer with a lot of flavor. And it comes in at uh, like nine or eight and a half percent alcohol content so you got to be careful with it but it's I, I love it it's phenomenal it's probably our uh, most popular beer at tastings and things like that that we've done so yeah it sounds yeah. phenomenal so and for the and for the people that like me like myself that drink like lagers every day of my life uh what would you recommend from your you know your list of beers for me to yeah drive? that's the, that's the closest i mean from reclamations beers that's yeah, the closest yeah. beer that most of people come up and say what would i like that you have and i say what do you drink and they say Miller Lite, and I'm like, nothing. <laughs> uh, but I'll usually hand them a Promised Land, and they love it. So Promised Land Dale is the, the, probably the one that most people can get along with well. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll look into that. Uh, you know, I may just have to make a trip out there. I don't know. Um, someday. My, my wife's probably listening to this going, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to Pittsburgh anytime soon. <laughs> well, if you get out here, we'd love to see you. Yeah. Uh, if it happens. Yeah. Lord, Lord willing, as they say. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Ben, you know, thanks so much for chatting with us about reclamation brewing, about your personal faith. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, I I hope that the past two shows, especially, show people that you know what we're all about just having just open conversation uh, with our guests, and um, you know, it's just a, it's a good show. I'm really excited about the the future of the show, and we have a lot of great guests coming up um i know that i said probably next week we'll be having steve wells who wrote the skeptics annotated bible um that hasn't been shipped out to me yet so i'm still waiting for it so we're kind of i'm waiting till i get my hands on the thing and i want to try to read some of his book um before we get him on so we're going to push that off so next week joey and i are going to just going to have a uh we're going to shoot the shit <laughs> and just talk things over about the past shows and just what we're what's on our mind and we're going to attempt to do it 
live on on um, on YouTube. We'll see how that works. So it might be a fun experiment. Keep uh, go to Facebook, facebook.com slash the AXPX to find out times when we will be doing that. Or you can go to Twitter, um, the AXPX on Twitter. Um, ben, where can people find Reclamation Brewing Company on on the interwebs? Yeah, absolutely. They can find us at reclamationbrewing.com, uh, facebook.com forward slash reclamationbrewingco, uh, or Twitter at reclamationbrew. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you, Ben. I'm really excited for the future of, of the brewing of the brewing uh, brewing company, and uh, I'm excited to eventually somehow taste those beers. Um, <laughs> Joey, where can people find you? Oh, Twitter, Joey Avalos. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you had a good time listening to our conversation with Ben Smith of Reclamation Brewing Company. I'm Sean DeRager, and we'll talk to all of you next week. Bye-bye. Yeah.